Check, check, check. Hello. What's up, dude? <clears throat> Gosh, my throat. <clears throat> hey, everyone. My name is Jared Hogan. And I'm Christian Schultz. And this is good. Vincent. Hey guys, how's it going? How are you, man? <laughs> Great. How are you guys? Good. Great. Let's maybe start at the beginning. We've been <laughs> we've been trying to make this happen for a long time. Uh, Christian and I both were just like uh, we made we were, we were saying earlier we made like a list when we started the show in January. Like who do we want to be on here? And uh, you're definitely at the top of the list. We just like love your, love your work. Thanks. And um, it was cool talking to AG and kind of getting like some history on y'all's relationship. And um, you've been at this for a long time, huh? Yeah, pretty long time it feels like, you know. Um, I, I don't know. Sometimes it feels like it's also I'm just getting started. So, But, like, in, yeah. in, the, in the amount of years, yeah, it's been – I started pretty young, you know. So, uh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm 36, but – which I think is, like, still pretty young for, yeah. for yeah. directors, you know. Like, yeah. all the, like, my idols, I was, you know, they're, like, in their 50s and stuff. So, I guess I got right. some time. But, yeah, I started pretty young. Where did you uh, Where did you grow up? I grew up in Northern California. Um, I was born in uh, kind of like in like it's called Monterey Peninsula, and I was born in Carmel, and then um, grew up in that area. And then I went to school and and uh, kind of had my formative years up in San Francisco area. Like nice. And wh- and what did your uh, What did your parents do growing up? Uh, my dad is a Buddhist monk for the last like twenty five years. Wow. And um and my mom is a is a massage therapist in um in in still the same town I grew up in. That's amazing. And brothers and sisters? None, only child. Really? Yeah. That's cool. Um and so when did the uh I don't know what I don't know if it's film or, or art in general like what started to kind of like set you on the path that you kind of find yourself on now? Um for sure I I was heavily influenced by my dad's sister. She's a uh I mean, I think I, I think there's some stuff that started before I knew that she was in the art world, and um, I was always de- definitely more interested in the art side of you know lower education, like in kindergarten and stuff. I would, yeah, I was drawn towards the art side of things versus let's say math or something. But uh, yeah, but when I when I kind of started when I started to get to know my aunt Lori uh, Lori Makala, who uh, or Haycock Makala, I think her name. Um, she she was a teacher at you know so many different schools like Cal Arts, uh yeah. um I think like RISD, she graduated from RISD, wow. uh and then she ran the the 2D design department at Cranbrook for many years with her husband and um and she had a little kid and I was like fourteen or fifteen and I started going out there in the summers and uh, working for them as an intern and kind of living with them and just spending time with like a different part of it. And it's in Detroit. I don't know if you know Cranbrook, but it's a graduate school in Detroit, like really okay, cool. interesting, uh, um, kind of high end specialized graduate school for art, for art department. So I went there and, and they just coincidentally started getting into like that early motion graphics stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and how old were you at this point? I was like, I went there when I was still in high school. I stayed a summer, my between junior and senior year of high school. So I was like 16, I think. Do you cool. remember what you were, what you guys were watching? Like what animated stuff you were watching? Uh, well, there wasn't a lot of like motion graphics being done then. Cause it was so early. Like wow, this is like 1995 and mm-hmm. so early in like sort of the desktop computing motion graphics world, you know, where like after effects yeah. we were, I remember I, I played around with the very first like Photoshop and After Effects because that's like when they were coming out. You know? So um, uh, it was like After Effects 4 or something like that. And they had like yeah, a really yeah. early version of like maybe Premiere or something. And they started, uh, um, they started doing movie titles, you know, and that was like the big kind of thing. And, that, and that's really was the catalyst that got me into like filmmaking and got me into filmmaking for sure because I was studying graphic design and they were working with Fincher on all his like amazing movie titles. They did like the Fight wow. Club titles, and hmm. they did some titles for the game that ended up not happening, and 
all kinds of other stuff with primarily Fincher and a few other, uh, another director named Jeffrey Plansker and, um, uh, Mark Romanek. They did, uh, they did like those type, that type in that Janet Jackson, Michael Jackson video. Remember all that like 3d stuff shooting around. (laughs) So they did, they did all that stuff and I was their intern and I was like working on it. I was working on these like really insane high profile jobs, not really knowing how cool they were at the time. It's kind of, <laughs> and I was doing like random type layout or, uh, I remember on fight club, I sat and like messed around with designing that bar of soap with one of their, wow. one of their designers, not really knowing how cool that massive. Was. I, was, I, was sort of, yeah, I was sort of taking, <laughs> taking it for granted a little bit, you know, like kind of going, Oh, this is, this could be an interesting job, you know? So that, that was that was it really i it um i mean that was for sure the like transition that got me really interested in specifically film was seeing that like i got to go to set and seeing the scale of all that stuff and seeing like how many different things you get to play with when you're a director like cameras and type design yeah. and all these kind of like various mediums that's what got me attracted to to filmmaking versus you know like i wanted to be a tattooer at that point i think you know yeah were you ever, so, were you ever yeah, doing stuff with uh, like Prologue or Danny Yacht or any yeah, of those guys? Yeah, yeah, I worked with Danny. Um, Dude, Danny's like yeah. my favorite person. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, Danny, I mean, God, I worked directly with Danny because I was a creative director at Digital Kitchen in Chicago wow, yeah. when he was a creative director at uh, the Seattle office of Digital Kitchen. So me and Danny used to work on projects together and, and with, uh, there's actually a lot of people that came out of that. Like Andre Stringer, who's a director yeah. that, um, this guy, Ryan Dunn is in New York. Like so many people. Did you ever work with a guy named Frank D'Angelo? Yeah. That name sounds familiar. We both went to SCAD together. Oh, okay. Yeah. That name sounds super <laughs> familiar. Where did he, where did he, uh, did he work? At I don't remember what, op- he, he worked at digital kitchen, but I can't remember what location he was at. Um, but anyway, yeah, I think it was LA. Yeah. Maybe. Um, so, okay. So let's back up a little bit. So as far as like, um, design, was there formal training for you or did you just kind of hop in and kind of like figure it out? Yeah. I mean, the formal training was really came from my aunt and uncle were like, you know, really well-known graphic designers. So when I was in high school, I was, you know, I'd go to their studio and they had all these like insane, like for that time, all the high-end stuff, you know, like those, yeah. those early 8,500 Macintoshes and all kinds of like light boards. And they were do, still doing a lot of design by hand, you know, like we're actually yeah. cutting and pasting and shit. Um, so I was heavily indoctrinated in that cause I was, I worked there every single day, you know, yeah. nine to like midnight every single day Gosh. for like, you know, a whole summer for a couple summers in a row. So, yeah. um, you know, yeah. so, or, or at least like, I think I did a full summer and then like, a little bit here and there kind of went back and forth. So that was, and then I went back to school. So that was like high school. Then I went to art college at, uh, the, what's it called now? They changed the name. It was, it's the college in San Francisco. It was called like the California college of arts and crafts back then. And now it's just CCA or CAA. Yeah. Um, I went there for like a year. And you were there for four years. No, I dropped out like straight away. I went there and, (laughs) and, uh, I went there for a year and it was like so expensive, you know, like $70,000 a year or something. And, and, uh, and it was just not worth it. Cause I kind of had gotten this crash course and how to at least use the programs from my yeah. family. So I was just, the, the curriculum wasn't right. And I was, you know, interested in kind of filmmaking and it wasn't really a filmmaking schools, a design school. So yeah, I did right. a lot of good, I had great professors there. And like, so the, the year that I was there was great, but I just, didn't um it just didn't feel right after the so when did you kind of transition from like design to being like i want to do film um i mean i think that was it where like when i saw the fight club titles and was like oh that's a those are guys doing design and then it ended up in that movie and then the movie came out and i was like why not try and do that that's really yeah rad you know um, yeah but when it actually when I actually got an opportunity to do it was probably through digital kitchen through that, through the like four years I was there, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause I went in there as a designer, like that was my formal training and I knew rudimentary after effects and stuff, but I kind of bullshitted my way through knowing after effects, you know? Yeah. 
like I didn't, re- I wasn't really good at it. I kind of like could plug in some shit and move, move boxes around, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. um, but, uh, and then I got good at it pretty quick. And then that led to directing. Cause that company was kind of riding that line between that was like the early model of like a group, a collaborative directing duos and stuff, you know? And, yeah. and, uh, and then we, all of a sudden we were like, you know, on set directing like big shoots for Budweiser and, and yeah. our companies and stuff because of our like design and visual effects knowledge. So that was like, that was clearly the transition. And then, and then I started realizing that like I wanted to do music videos, you know? So I got, yeah. so then I, I kind of started doing that on the side as I was an employee there. What was it that you saw? Like what potential did you see in like that kind of project as opposed to like the commercial stuff that you were working on? I just wanted to tell stories, you know, I was always kind of like yeah. grew up, I grew up like in kind of more of a, you know, like I liked reading like Burroughs and Bukowski and stuff like that. You know, like I grew up in that, yeah. in that like kind of quintessential California. I was like the, like typical, like misanthropic youth, like, wanted to, like you know, like wanted to go to punk shows and, and I grew up in the, you know, when I'm driving hitching rides to the Bay area to go to like Gilman street and all those kind of like, punk venues and 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 um so design was a little bit like pretentious for me you know like i love it and it's no disrespect to anyone who's like a designer but you couldn't really be as raw you know you can make a poster that's kind of punk but it didn't really you couldn't express as many emotions so when i was you know i was working in digital kitchen i was like 19 or 20 or something you know so i was like when I started that, I remember I started that and I wasn't even 21 yet. I had another like 21, 21st birthday. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. I, I wanted to, I wanted to just do stuff that was more like raw or kind of like punk. And I felt like music with images was like kind of where it's at, you know? Was it like music that kind of drew you in or was it like yeah, the form? I think it was probably music first and then the fact that you could make images to music and then yeah. you could tell like stories. best of both worlds. Yeah. Kind of. You could kind of, and like I could work with bands that I admired and stuff, you know, like, so it was kind of a, a culmination. And then I started seeing videos that, you know, Gondry and Spike Jones and great. I mean, that was like the heyday, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, it definitely was the, the transition between like pop videos being the big videos. Like you'd see on MTV, you'd see, you know, Sam Bear rock and roll videos for like Guns N' Roses or something. And then all of a sudden there's yeah, like right. these like art <laughs> films that are set to music, you know, and you were like, well, fuck, that's. Yeah. And so that was definitely a transition from like the big glamoury pop stuff into like you could sure. do a, there'd be a video that didn't even have an artist in it and it'd be played on MTV. Yeah. So like not to jump ahead too much, but um, how would you like kind of describe the landscape of like music videos at that point versus like where it's at now? Hmm. Um, I think there's better work being done now, like way more creative work being done now, um, on a broad sense, you know, like, like I would say if you took every music video made per year, there's more interesting videos made now than there are, than there were back then for sure. Just not the money anymore. (laughs) And that's probably why there's more interesting videos made is because the, like it, the sort of not, there's not that big (laughs) mega pop machine that like you know commands a million dollar budget and the, right you know, and it needs to be on mtv that's like the goal that's how you made money and sold records now right so i think that's the difference you know is you don't get that there's less of the the mega celebrity like music video director sure. and, and and you know that kind of whole thing like the days of of like you know i mean even back then it was like romantic and fincher were were like you know smashing it in the video world and they were getting right the budgets were like three four million dollars a video for like yeah right nails video and it's like right videos, you know? do you think that like music videos sort of um means different things now like for for i guess um i guess for people rather than right. like do you know what i mean like did they mean something different now I don't know. I mean, I think there were videos that definitely meant something to me back then. Like you, it represented the visual aesthetic of like, of a band you might admire, you know? So right. if you saw a video of, um, you know, Metallica or something, it was like, you know, you thought that was amazing. So it affected you in a way. But I think that people 
maybe it's like the it means more to the filmmakers now than it does like i think back then it meant something yeah. to the fans and it meant something to the to the band and to like the record label but i think now maybe the videos can mean more to the director which i think is a big maybe a big a big shift or an important shift for filmmakers you know how do you balance like that kind of philosophy even like with inside yourself of like you know you're really servicing a client to some extent, you know, like making a music video for a band or an artist or whatever, but you're also, you know, making something that's important to you. And that's why you kind of chose music video. So how do you find that balance of like getting it done for a client, but also like making right. it something that you really want to make? Dude, you're asking that on a very crazy day for me. Cause I, I, <laughs> I, I'm, I like feel so negative for record labels. I, uh, I'll explain why in a sec, but, um, uh, it's super hard to be honest. Like I've had a lot of ups and downs with that because I don't take a video unless it means something to me. Like I just want to, I won't even, and now, you know, I have the luxury of maybe being a little more demanding after like 15 years of being grinded through the fucking meat grinder by every label. (laughs) But, um, and it's also maybe because I, I get relationships with artists that give me trust beyond the yeah, beyond right. the commission and the label. Like I get to like work with artists that I know personally. So that helps. But um um I mean it's I think that's a really, really good it's a really good question and it's kinda hard to answer because every video is different, but I I would say that um I don't really ever want to do a video that doesn't that I can't believe in from like either the messaging or the way that the you know i, I think the messaging has become more and more important to me even with the florence yeah. stuff that we did this year you know it like it affects her fans yeah. in such a dramatic way and 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 representing a woman as powerful as florence and in, in a yeah. in a strong narrative role like you know i think that still means something even though it's not videos with a message you know yeah uh, yeah right i think it's still really important to like be careful with how that's all because you know she's naked in that and we portrayed her in different characters and right there's always like a male protagonist that's and so you know it's always it's oh, it was always top of mind to make her look um strong and powerful and mean something to yeah women so you know like that yeah that so, but going, <laughs> jump, jumping around a little bit, um, all my, all those videos that I just was talking about, like that whole, I did nine videos for Florence. Yep. Yep. Just got legally or illegally or however you want to say it, deleted from my Vimeo account today. Really? Because Universal is fighting Vimeo for like the, this battle of um, streaming rights. And, and, they, and they do blanket sweeps like using robots to delete, oh my gosh. delete anybody who's playing Florence's music on Vimeo on a on a picture wow. with no disc- with no discrimination for the content makers, and so then I said, "Hey guys, this happened. It's happened to me before with uh with um the the Calvin work I did. You know, when Calvin blew up, yeah. and he had like a hundred million hits. They went through and tried to make as much money off." Uh, Wow, you know, off their streaming their their hits revenue through YouTube, so they go and, and beat up Vimeo for a while, and I, and, and wow. they eventually reversed it for me. But um, I've been battling them, and and then I end I end up you know, and and Florence's team is like helping me, but um, uh, I mean they obviously don't want it taken away from me, but they their contract with Universal and the like legal piracy department of Universal. They've basically just given me the cold shoulder. Like they, they more or less told me to just fuck off and deal with it. And I shouldn't use Vimeo. So, wow. so going back to your question, so like, and I'm like fuming about it, man. As you can imagine, sure. Like, of course, I spent a year and a half, made no money, do this big campaign for parents, <laughs> all this kind of crazy shit, and then that's how you get treated. You know, it makes me want to like do yeah. horrible things to people. <laughs> you know, like. Um, and, uh, so, and, and, you know, and, and without having, like, I don't want to make enemies. So I'm just trying to take the, a little bit of the high road, but it's really tough. Cause you get on these, it's like, and it's going back anyway, going back to your question, I don't want to get too tangented on that. Cause I could talk for five hours on, on, on why that pisses me off. But, uh, <laughs> doing something you believe in is the only, as I think nowadays, the only right way to do a video because of all this, it's still not easy for a director to to operate within the music video in the music world in general. They're so, yeah. they're so dismissive of the effort that we put in and record labels 
don't really yeah. care about the creative. You know, it's up to the artist to care and then tell the record label that they only want to do it if it's creative. The record label just wants hits, you know, and they don't want revenue. Sure, right, right, sure. So it's a really, it's a delicate balance because a lot of times good creative things with a message don't really get hits, you know? Yeah. Well, well, like, would you say that, I mean, would you say that you would do it again knowing like that it would kind of end like in this mental state for yourself? Do you know what I mean? Like, would I do the whole like, would you project do that knowing like that, that I would, that I would have to deal with universal right now? Right. Yeah. Um, I probably would because I love Florence and I, and right. I love that project and it's like, it's a once in a lifetime like it's freaking amazing man yeah thanks we i mean we were able to like pull off something that i I definitely don't think i'll I'll ever even be able to pull off again you know so um i would probably do it again but i would make them i would put a clause in the contract that they couldn't do this and it's something i've done in the past where i i made it mandatory that um they could never take streaming rights or anything away like that i basically yeah. own the work in a sense like i can always show it no matter where i want right. i didn't do it with this because i didn't suspect this would happen like i kind of just was naive to it and i should have so if i did if i did it again i would and i'm going to put a year and a half of work into something that they can just yeah. one night take away from me like that it's crazy um, yeah i mean i, I would uh, I, here's the thing i'll probably never work with universal again on principle so yeah hopefully yeah. me and florence can find a way to work together without them being involved because you know fool me once shame on (laughs) (laughs) fool me twice you know i'm do you think do you think there's you you talked about like you know working for a year and a half and just like working the hardest you've worked on something and then not even like really profiting yeah uh is it like how possible is it for someone to like do music videos as a especially like a young director trying to like kind of make it yeah is that even possible to make it financially, like to make a living off. Yeah, financially. Um, In your experience, maybe if you want to like be like Colin Tilly or something, you know, like where I don't, I don't know who that is. <laughs> he did that. Uh, he actually he did a really amazing Kendrick Lamar video last year that it's going to be all right. But what I mean by that, and that's not, uh, it's not it, I'm not trying to diss Colin Tilly. What I'm saying is, I don't even know him. But what I do know because we have the same rep or we've had the same reps. Yeah, that he works like from what I hear is like someone like him or someone like a hip hop director that can do like a video a week almost, you know? And they work work at a capacity where probably a lot of the artists they work with are at least 200 grand, 150 to 200 grand budgets. A lot of like bigger pop stars and hip hop artists and they do a lot of them. So the sheer volume of them probably makes them a better living than like, let's say me who, I mean, I did a lot of videos for Florence this year, but, we put all the money on the, on right. the, you know, in the campaign. So, you know, luckily I do commercials in between. So I was able to like make a living, but I don't know. It's hard because I, I you know, in the last couple of years, the videos I've done have great budgets. You know, I can't complain with them with like, like from Lana Del Rey, yeah. Paul McCartney, you two, like all that. They, right. they all have decent budgets for the, for where the industry's at now. But I'm still not making money off of them because, like, the ideas are more ambitious or whatever. So I don't know. The short yeah. answer is probably like, no, you can't really make a living doing. <laughs> okay, uh, good. That's good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have a, ask you a question. Yeah. Of um, when do you like stop taking commercial work to be able to do this kind of? Um, I mean, I know you're kind of putting a lot of time and everything into something like a music video or something. But when do you say no to a commercial job um, and then say yes to like a personal work? Yeah. Oh, like what, what's the, what's the, how good does the personal job have to be or something? Yeah. Cause I mean, it's, it's a little like, I know commercial filmmaking is, um, can be very financially reliable. Yeah. You know? So when do you say no to that? Oh, I mean, I mean, God, there's probably so many factors. You know, I have a family and stuff, so sometimes it's like I can't say no because i got to pay the bills. But if, you know, if, if you're taking sort of money out of the equation or or, or personal, you know, um, um, sort of uh, reasons, I think that, like, if you're, if you're talking purely creative, I mean, I go through phases, you know. Like, well, I think if the, if the job is, like, something like that Florence job, I – you know, it, it was kind of a no brainer when once the opportunity sort of solidified that we were going to do all the songs on, on there and I was going to have the creative control I wanted and, and Florence was going to like give herself over to the project with so much 
enthusiasm. It was like, okay, like we're going to make this happen. And I just, you know, everybody that works at park was really gracious in that sense. Cause they just tried to fit in commercials in between the breaks. Right. Video. That's awesome. Yeah. We were able to like make it work. But you know, at the end of the year, when I look at my tax return, it's like, wow, I made like so much less money this year. And then I was like, Oh wait, that's because I was, you know, like I talked to my reps in the production company. It's like, well, you were unavailable for like at least six months of the year. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I tend to go through a phase where you do a lot of, um, you know, and I actually really like commercials. Like, uh, you know, I don't, you know, some, I think sometimes there's like this thing of like music video directors don't like doing commercials. I feel like there's like a stigma yeah, like, because like music videos have freedom and commercials don't. But I think that like most, most of the commercials that I get to do and, you know, I mean, most of the time everybody wants to make something good. And now there's obviously a client and that's why you're getting paid. So you're, you're working for them and they expect you to deliver something that, you know, might not be your like most ideal cinematic thing that you've ever delivered. But, um, yeah, I don't, I, I mean, I think that generally after like a lot of client work like that, I, I want to do something that is like one of my ideas, you know, I think that's usually right. the, the difference. And then I kind of figure out how to do that. Okay. Let's like totally change topics for a second. Uh, this YouTube video, yeah. uh, me and, uh, Christian were talking earlier just about like, just like casting in general for you, yeah. uh, what that looks like. And then I kind of want to dig into that video specifically, but when you're like kind of going into a project, like where is casting like in your priority list? Uh, it's probably number two behind the, behind the concept. You know, I think that yeah. if, if the concept's going to, if the concept's interesting, that's, that's probably number one. Yeah. Um, and then the right cast for it is definitely like a close second. And what's kind of your process for that? Like, do you work with the, the same producer, like from project to project or do you switch it up? And then like, what's kind of like the actual like hands-on process of like finding the right person for the role? Um, I work with a, a bunch of, I mean, I probably work with the same few producers. There's definitely sure. like uh, a handful of producers I work with. Um, on videos, it's usually harder because, you know, you're asking someone to do it for no money. But, you know, <laughs> sometimes I'm able to like work with a producer on a commercial and then they'll do sure, it right. after with me or something like. And actually that YouTube video is a good example. Pete Vitale is an amazing commercial producer. Was We did a, we did a commercial and then did that video straight away. So I was able to like keep the whole crew just on the same project. You know? Yeah, that's cool. Um, but, uh, the casting, you know, I mean, it's, it's just different every single, every single project. But I think the, probably the common thing is I just aim high, you know, like I want yeah. the casting hmm. to always be really, either really, really amazing street casting. Like we just drive into, you know, like for a video like Rafferty, which is probably one of my favorite, my favorite videos. Man, I love that. I think that's the first one that I saw of yours, Vince, where I was like at all, but I was just like totally blown away by that. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, it's, there's something, and I think it's the casting is what does it, you know, those are just three brothers that like lived in South Central that we found on the side of the road, you know? Right, like, right. I mean, it wasn't exactly, we weren't just driving down the road sure. to saw someone, but we were casting for another video. We met this one guy, his cousin knew this guy. And all of a sudden we were introduced to these brothers that like sort of fit the roles for a different video I was doing. And then we ended up not using them. It was like a schedule thing or something. And then yeah. a year later, the Rafferty track came up and I was like, Oh, I really want to work with those guys. So sometimes it's that kind of stuff, you know, like yeah. I, I meet someone or I kind of have it, an image of what someone could be like, or I, I hear about someone or, or see something, you know, and then kind of write an idea for them yeah. or like on YouTube specific, you know, that they, they came to me and wanted something narrative. And so, um, they didn't want to be in the video, you know? So yeah. um, I wrote that idea with actually Ben Mendelssohn in mind as the lead, um, yeah. not Woody. And just cause I'd worked with them in that Florence video and I, and I yeah. think, like such an incredible actor. Um, hey, and then, quick side, quick yeah. side note. What do you actually do when you uh, two comes to you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, you respond I would, to their emails, I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you I know, feel like I would just go buy ice cream or something. <laughs> <laughs> Reward you know? yourself. Yeah. Like a funfetti ice maybe, cream or something. Yeah, Maybe this sounds like super jaded, but like, 
and, and I and I I'm completely aware that this is like probably such a pretentious thing to say, but I actually like didn't really wasn't excited because I hadn't really listened to U2 in a long time and kind of like wasn't it wasn't really on my radar from like yeah, a sure. fan from like a fanboy kind of yeah. like oh my god I love you too like I was definitely that way with Paul McCartney like I yeah I like called my dad and everybody else I knew to to, to tell them that like you know I might work with Paul McCartney um but you know with you too I mean so I think it's hit or miss you know like I I think like uh like when I did a spiritualized video I was like flipping out because that was yeah. like music that I listened to sure uh um you know, that was like music that I was currently listening to when I did it and music that I grew up listening to every single like Spaceman 3 spiritualized album. Like yep. I bought it the day it came out. Yep. I have like pins on my old jean jacket. <laughs> yeah, like that was, a, that, was, yeah, yeah. that was a band that I liked for 15 years. So when I did that video, that was like I was like fanning out pretty hard just because I love the music. Okay, but, let me ask you. I know we're getting like yeah. so off topic here, but I just have to keep asking like questions. I, like I prefer it off topic because it's okay. Great. Uh, <laughs> like I feel like, you know, I've been doing music videos for a couple years yeah. and I think I keep getting frustrated with like, I wish that the people that I listened to and that I really loved, I'm like, when is that going to happen that they're going to want me to make a video for them? Well, you know what I mean? Like I feel like there's like yeah. this, uh, and I'm sure you probably felt the same way at some point in your career where it was like, you were making videos, but not for like, who you really wanted to make them for. Like, what did that feel like when that started to happen? I don't think it's happened besides spiritualized. I don't think it's, it's, huh. is that frustrating? It's frustrating for yeah. me. Well, you know what, you know, what's interesting. It, and I've actually talked a lot of, I mean, AG have talked about this a ton and I've talked about this with a lot of other directors and I think it's better to do. I, I mean, I think it's better to do videos for bands. You don't, you don't like, or, or aren't like super fans because I think the pressure and, the preconceived ideas you have for that band. Cause you've been a fan for so long. Like when yeah. I did the spiritualized video, I had to really let go of all the other music that I loved for them the last 10, 15 years, because it felt like I was trying to make ideas that like Jason Spaceman was going to like, like I wanted right. to appeal to his, like, you know, the band's, you know, sensibility or whatever for the last 10 years. But it's almost better when you come out of left field, like, like the irony is that me and AG did those videos at the same time. And he's like, who's spiritualized? He's like, I don't even know. Like never, even <laughs> yeah, heard right. like never had ever even heard the name of the band ever in his whole life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Be prior to that, I, I think, or maybe it like came across it once, but like, so you think there's some kind of like uh, leg up to that kind of level of exposure to a band that you're working with? I like, think like, it's like probably not having, like not knowing them like as like a, a formative teenager. I think so. I, I mean, I think that you might be more honest with how you approach mm. the idea, you know, like, and, I, and I know that like I've, that when I knew a lot about the band or I knew, or like really was super in tune with like the singer or something, I think you're more, um, you get more like cliche or something, you know, I mean, mm. you, you might not make a video that's going to be like, as like left field for that band, like something that'd be completely unique for them. Cause you're going to be like referencing all the stuff you've studied, you know? Yeah. And uh, so not to make you like, uh, like, I don't know, be like derogative towards yourself, but have you seen that play out for you? Like there's been like a band that you want to work with and you kind of see your mind going like the cliche path. You definitely, I've definitely written treatments that went that way and I didn't get them. Uh, you know, I didn't get the videos because they're probably like, this is too, like, whatever. We've been there. Yeah, we've been there or something. <laughs> um, uh, you know, and to go back and kind of answer one more point on the question about making music for who you love, I think that that it's such a rare, I think it's just a rare thing that, that, that your, your paths will cross. Like, like yeah. you know, I've been doing this long enough to like you know when I when I first started it was like Radiohead was just starting to do like amazing videos you know right, right. or they had done like the first round off off uh, you know um, OK Computer with uh, gosh with yeah. uh, uh, you know it was like the best stuff ever with Glazier and all the and Gondry and everybody right yeah right. and then and they were and I was so I was always like man I, like and I love them because I was always into that kind of like that and spiritualized. And that was like the music I listened to when I was 19 or whatever. Right. And, um, 
and uh, I was like dying to do videos for them. But you know, I probably would have like just done something that I thought would be like cool for Radiohead and not done something right. that was like rabbit in your headlights that Glazier did, you know, like right. for Uncle and, and Radiohead. Like, you know, and that was like such a that was not what I would have thought to do for them. It's what I would have thought to do for them after I saw that video, you know, but right. Like, right. Like yeah. you feel like you're so familiar with their world that you have to operate inside of it kind of. Yeah, exactly. Like you're just, you would be like wanting to like make them happy or something rather than yeah, right. an idea that's your own and, 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 and those two like kind of worlds colliding. Um, so, you know, I think that, I think there's probably the good and the bad. I mean, I, you know, I've done a lot of videos for songs that I really like, but they weren't necessarily bands that I was listening to a ton before I got sure. involved with them. Yeah. Right. Okay. So let's talk about, I know we kind of skipped over casting and we'll maybe get back to that, but I want to, I want to talk to you. You kind of brought up uh, treatments. Yeah. Um, what would you say? The evil treatment, the evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, the the thing like I've had this happen to me. I'm sure you have amazing, horrible war stories, um, but like I've had stuff even happen like where I will make a treatment and put like you know, twenty thirty hours into it, and then I had an artist like be like, um, "Thanks, love your ideas. Um, I'm actually going to direct this myself." Yeah. Oh man. And it's uh, like okay, well I have not. I mean, what do you do? Like I have I have no like it's not like I don't own it necessarily. And that's just like gone. So like for you, I guess I'm curious, like, have you had stuff like that happen? Like we put in a ton of work where it just kind of disappears. And, and then like, uh, what's like your ratio of like, uh, nailed it, got the job to like never hear from them again. Like, is that just like the most maddening experience or is it just me? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> it's, uh, well, my ratio is still probably pretty fucking bad because <laughs> if you if you count up all the years of denied treatments versus right. the last couple years of accepted treatments, right? It's still really bad because it's probably like five hundred to you know however I've done probably thirty, forty videos, right? To the to the seven hundred treatments I've written in the last <laughs> twelve years. So you know um, that's good to hear. Yeah, but you know. I would say don't put in 20 hours. Like I, you know, <laughs> what, yeah. you know, I mean, I think that's the answer is that I don't do that anymore. And also like, you know, I mean, I'm lucky like the last, I mean, you know, the last few videos I, that I did came just to me. So, you know, like right. Florence obviously is, that was a preconceived conversation. I didn't even pitch on it because it was sure. out of, born out of a relationship. You two, I wrote a treatment that I kind of, or, you know, the other thing is I regurgitate ideas like constantly because if they don't, if they don't happen the first time and you still like it, I just like repurpose it a second. Yeah, time. sure. So I've gotten good at that, you know? Um, and actually the YouTube, the YouTube video is like a fourth generation treatment from God. I've pitched it for probably, it's probably the, the coolest roster of videos that I never got. That I've yeah. <laughs> Like, uh, I pitched it for Johnny Cash. I pitched it for Damn. Bob Dylan. Dude, that Johnny Cash video would have been amazing, dude. Yeah, and it was like this Seriously. song. It was this Waylon Jennings song that he wrote for Waylon Jennings that he oh, had a shit. demo of that they released after he died. It was this, like, it's called She Used to Love Me a Lot. And his oh, version gosh. of it is so fucking Holy crap, yeah. <laughs> So I pitched Just that. thinking of that video is like, is all you need, really. Yeah, me, you know, me and, me and AG actually, um, we co-wrote that we we that not the exact way it was done in the YouTube, but AG like actually more or less wrote that idea when we pitched we pitched it for Bob Dylan um, together just because I think I was like really busy and it was like last year the year before or something and I was like let's just do this together like just to co-direct something and be fun and, and yeah. we wrote that idea together so you know that idea had like three or four big chances. And then it finally ended up with you too. So, wow. yeah. And, and so on that, like I, did, I probably spent 15 minutes on the treatment. I changed the name, <laughs> rewrote it to fit the, this little structure. Yeah, that's amazing. Rewrote a few character things to be more appropriate with like the way I was feeling about the music, but more or less like, you know, kind of sat down and said, what would be good for this? Oh, that idea with the prison yeah. would be good. And then I just like went through that treatment and spent like, I probably spent an hour on it and then sent it off. That's amazing. Uh, Jared, that's like a really cool thought of like, well, you always think when you don't get a treatment, 
trash it. You're like, oh, it wasn't good enough. Yeah, yeah right. Or, or, but it's like not. It's it's like a time and a place thing. Like it it will circle back. That's like a really good point of advice. Do you still, do you still feel like that, Vincent? Like you don't like. Do you uh, do you feel rejected? Um, or do you feel like well? Yeah. Moving on. Uh, I mean, sometimes. Some, I mean, definitely, like, it never feels good to not get married. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's never, yeah, sure. you know, you're never like, oh, wow, what lovely people. I didn't. Get <laughs> uh, I guess that's true. But, yeah, I mean, I still feel, I mean, you know, um, yeah, I still, I still definitely feel, I mean, I've, you know, I've been, I've been, I've built enough relationships with record labels that they're usually pretty honest with me. Like, yeah, sure. Nowadays, so they you know, they'll come to me and say, Hey, like a lot of people are treating on this because the band asked for blah, blah, blah. And they really, you know, they want to see ideas, but we think that you'd be amazing. So we want to throw you in the mix. And it's like my relationship with them. And they, they sure. trust me and want me involved when the band's like, Oh, we want our buddy Nabil to do it or something. Right. Right. Um, so, and so, you know, and then sometimes you lose it and it's not like I feel rejected because the idea was bad. You know, you feel, you still feel like fuck, what, like that was a waste of time, but yeah. uh, but you know, and I think hopefully it's more because the situation d- didn't work. You know, I think if you got to, you got to at least like believe in your in your idea enough, you know, that you're like yeah. oh, my idea is still good, but like they just aren't smart enough to see that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when you're kind of like uh, in that mode of like conceptualizing and kind of like coming up with stuff. Um, do you feel the need to like uh, have another brain involved or can you kind of keep it all within inside of your, like, do you, do you bounce it off people before you send it in? Yeah. You know, I usually bounce it off my wife. She's like, you know, she was an EP at production companies and, and has been in this a long time and seen, yeah. seen a lot of good work. So she knows like when an idea could be really great. Like I've definitely, yeah. I've definitely gave her ideas and she's like, yeah, <laughs> like, like yeah that, that could be interesting in which i means like it doesn't come off the page as like brilliant you know you're like, right um and then i've 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 let her read ideas where she's like fuck that would just be amazing you know? yeah so and and that it's nice to have that just simple direct feedback of like i like i, I just read it and it kind of like didn't wow me but could, yeah cool or that's fucking amazing you know have you written like super mediocre uh, treatments that end up being like amazing videos. <laughs> um, super mediocre treatments end up being like we're like on the page. It's like it doesn't maybe like pop off, but like like yeah. on screen, it like really comes to life. Uh, you know, as much as I as much as I kind of have mixed feelings about the video I did for Lana Del Rey, um, uh that one was definitely like kind of whack on paper for sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it was mainly cause like she had a lot of ideas. I had ideas. We kind of had like this tone we were going for, you know, like yeah. we kind of had the premise of like her with this younger man, her with this older man. And we, we knew the casting. So we kind of, we could tell it was going to be like kind of interesting and surreal and weird, but she was like cutting so many of my ideas cause she wasn't comfortable doing them or for various reasons, you know, sure. like outside yeah. of like what her, her comfort level was. So I was kind of like going into it going, I don't really know what this video is going to be like. And it was like, yeah, it didn't. Whereas like, like something like the Paul McCartney video, like I wrote that out almost scene for scene. Like I knew exactly what we were going to achieve and I knew it was going to be good. You know, like yeah. I, I knew at least I was going to be super proud of it before we even started shooting. Cause it was like, That's awesome. there was so much, everything fell into place in a way and like, and the script, they didn't have any notes on it. I got to just like write it the way I wanted it to be and cast it. Awesome. So I knew that was going to be good where the Lana Del Rey video. And it's funny cause like they were shot back to back with Evan, same yeah. team, same producers, like, like pretty much the same exact team shot it. They're both black and white. And, yeah. and one was a complete, like, like I was like, even the day of the shoot was kind of like, I don't really know what we're shooting. Cause it was such a, like a sketchy shoot. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that was like definitely kind of, uh, those are two good examples of one where I like knew it was going to be good and one where I was like, you know, but they're both friggin' awesome. Yeah. I, the Lana Del Rey one turned out pretty cool because it, yeah, right. she was charismatic and we had good locations and the cast was good. And so it, it, it worked itself out despite 
like even in the edit, like I was still kind of like, man, this is gonna suck, you know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, when you're when you're like working with someone like Ben Mendelsohn or Woody Harrelson, and you know people who have like serious acting chops, yeah, and they're in a music video where they essentially have no lines, right? Um, like, I guess I'd be curious to know, like, maybe they don't say this, but do they feel like? Um, underutilized or like how do you like uh how do you kind of like engage them in something that's like maybe not what they're used to and like they're not able to like you know use their voice or or like kind of like like how do you engage them as a music video director to kind of like let them explore how they like maybe don't normally um it's funny i trick i i I sort of tricked them a little bit only for (laughs) (laughs) And it's not like a, it's, and they're in on the trick, but like to try and get, it, it's really weird to act without talking. It's completely weird, you know? Sure. So like in, in the, in both of those videos, they're actually talking. We just might not use the dialogue, you know? So gotcha. I, like in the, in the Ben, in the Florence video with Ben, they're like, you, know, you can even watch it. You see him saying stuff. And we actually recorded sound for a ton of it too, but we just like huh. didn't, it worked better without the sound. Yeah. Um, but I didn't ever say to him like, don't talk or like, they, like we had dialogue and like for the YouTube video, which is actually, um, YouTube video is actually supposed to be like, wait, like it was double the length. Cause we casted a whole other role with James Fred, Fredgeville from, uh, from, um, uh, uh, animal kingdom actually. I oh yeah. Wow. The, the young kid in that. And, um, yeah. And and he played a, a, a prisoner going to jail while Woody played a prisoner leaving jail. And there was actually a lot more dialogue and a lot more like um, – and then you two wanted it simpler and it was too long. It was like 12 minutes or something. Yeah, right. Um, and so they um, – you know, there was a lot more dialogue in that and we just kind of cut it out or made, yeah. it, made it fit for the what felt right for the video. Interesting. So you just kind of like get them to like do their thing and then just – I mean more or less – don't use it. It's kind of like a vehicle yeah. to get like, you know, body language or, or whatever. Yeah. It's a vehicle to get good performances too. And sometimes we do use it, you know, there's like a subtle bed of sure. audio in the YouTube and there's definitely yeah, yeah. some at the end and stuff. So we use it. We just didn't know where we we're going to use it. Cause I mean, I think that's like probably the case for like most feature films too. I'm sure they like, right. they, they run all kinds of dialogue and all kinds of like scenes that don't get used or slightly get manipulated to like fit the story better or whatever. So, yeah, yeah I, I don't, I don't, I haven't really thought about it that much, to be honest. Like, I never actually really thought about that. Like, oh shit, I'm gonna underutilize Woody. I mean, I wanted to get the, <laughs> you know, I wanted to get the best performance out of him. Or yeah. that's right for what the video was. But I never really like put that pressure on myself. Sorry if I like jinxed you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the next like uh, Brando is gonna come out after the. <laughs> Yeah. Vince, would you talk a bit a little bit about your approach to like visual subtext that you're that you kinda add into your films, music videos or commercials and whatnot? Like um you know, I was just watching The Odyssey kind of refresher today. Yeah. And like every time there's like a TV in the shot, there's like a storm going on, like and you see all these kind of things going throughout. Like what's your approach to adding that stuff in there? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really do it that often. Like that, I think the the Odyssey is probably like the the first time I really made a concerted effort to put in a lot of thematically kind of hidden visuals and stuff. It was something that me and Florence were like really got pretty deep on, you know. Like we we yeah. got it, like it was just kind of fun to like, and you know, and part of it has a lot to do with like her fan base really likes all the like her fan base likes the visual metaphors and and imagery that she's created way before I was around, you know, like they have right. their, yeah. whole, their whole language that they have sort of shared. So in the Florence thing, like the, I, like she's really obsessed with water and the whole odyssey was about this like metaphysical storm and literal storm and the like emotional storm of, of a relationship and stuff. So we just right, sort of right. kind of, we played with those motifs and like wherever we had a chance, like the production designer on that, like, um, with Shane Valentino and like when, when, when we started designing all those spaces, it was always like, how can we work in water and storm and like TV and would be one or, or, 
you know, it's raining in St. Jude or, you know, just like yeah, it's like raining rain. indoors, strangely. So like we were always playing around with like that being a motif. And then once you kind of get in that K-hole, like it's hard to get out, you know, yeah. <laughs> like it becomes um, sort of fun. Like, oh, let's just do that there. And, and, and it felt really natural, even though like when you watch it, it's completely like abstract, you know, like nobody. Yeah. Right. Well, her super fans have like broken it down and they're all like, they all like, uh, I've kind of nailed it on the head. Like they get all the metaphors and where they came from. Like they've done their research, but, um, it's kind of lucky to have that audience, that kind of audience. I would have never have done that on like a one-off video for an, uh, for an artist that didn't have such dedicated fans because it would have never have been worth it. You know, it would have been probably just like kind of pretentious, I think where I feel like in the Florence thing, for us at least it wasn't, pretentious just because it was like such a part of her thing you know yeah that's cool um all right vince let's wrap up okay um what is one <laughs> cliche piece of advice you would give to somebody <laughs> he says like you're like pretty much just done with them jared <laughs> I'm, let's just end this thing yeah. <laughs> no vince uh, bro, this has been amazing this has been like saying. it's been amazing we could stay on for a couple more hours if you want uh, <sighs> if nah, you're interested i got that <laughs> I got babies to tickle. Um, <laughs> one uh, piece of advice you'd give to, to younger filmmakers. One piece of advice, I would just do things that, that you feel passionate about. You know, I mean, I think that there's never been good. There's never been any good film that came from someone who's like, just trying to do the status quo, you know, like yeah. trying to make someone happy or trying to make money or something like, you know, so I think like, and I think that's that you could like examine any piece of film. And if like someone made that, if you love the piece of film, I guarantee you're not going to find anybody that just did it to make money. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I think that like kind of trying to follow that path will always lead to making some more money because people will get interested in what you're doing, you know? Sure. I think like focusing first on making yourself happy and making work that means something and then letting that, hopefully transpire into a, a career you know of some sort perfect good, man. did you enjoy this uh interview Vince? yeah good questions good questions <laughs> good questions <laughs> we usually make we force everybody before they get off to say that the interview is good <laughs> yeah you gotta use the word good exactly Somehow. all right all um, right well it was good to meet you guys <laughs> likewise likewise <laughs> thanks vince appreciate it man all right, all right thanks guys bye <laughs> This episode was mixed by Christian Stropko, or as we like to refer to him, Christian number two. And our good podcast logo was designed by Eric Hurchin. As always, our music today was created by Cubby. That's Cubby with two Bs. You can check out more of his stuff on CubbySounds.com. Also, you can find other fun stuff at GoodThePodcast.com.